0: To the Brother 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 Podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It is a Brother Brother Podcast, and today we are talking about a band that we have referenced a thousand times on this show but never dedicated an entire episode to. And that band is Austin, Texas's own Spoon. Uh, they have a new album coming out next week um, called Lucifer on the Sofa, and we thought. You know now's a good time to uh take a retrospective look at the entire career, but Jerry, you were you kind of uh you know, for lack of a better term, kind of grew up with these guys. I mean, they're um, they were coming up when you lived in Texas, and um, you know, you kind of saw firsthand the whole thing unravel un- unfold. Um, yeah, little...
1: I mean, it's it's one of those weird circumstances where I think um, I'm probably the same age as, as Britt. So, first of all, Spoons. You know, Britt Daniel, Jim Eno primarily, um, you know, certainly filled out with three other members right now, which is uh, Alex Fischel, Geraldo L- Larios, and Ben Trokin. And, um, you know, they've had a, a revolving cast kind of in bass, you know, extra guitar, keyboard. Uh, Josh Zarbo probably being the longest run bassist before the current lineup. But really the band is Britt and, and Jim, you know. And um, yeah, and I just, I think. Like you're saying, I, I might be like a year younger or, or right around the same age as, as Britt. Um, I don't know how old Jimino is, but uh, had ended up kind of leaving college and, um, and going down to Austin, Texas, and, and releasing uh, like, yourself um,
0: on your own recognizance,
1: yeah, exactly. You know, I was gonna do the gap year for a few years there and um, and decided to uh go to you know, hot, uh, relatively unknown to me, Austin, Texas, due to a friend. Um, but anyways. Not to get too into that. Um, you know, this was sort of circa 97. Um, and I think, you know, when you think about Spoon, I kind of think of them in three sort of acts. Three sort of benchmarks, yeah. And, you know, one is coming off of the 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 sort of alternative boom of the early nineties that we, you know, have talked about before and, and the sort of great mass signing of major labels and and then mm-hmm. major dropping, you know, it was sort of like the the internet boom, right, of the early 2000s in the mm. same way. Um, and Spoon definitely was one of those bands that got swept up in that. I mean, I think, you know, their their debut was 97's um, Telefono. And, uh, and they quickly were signed to Elektra Records, which was home to one of their favorite bands, the Pixies. And Telefono in general, you know, kind of, uh, I think, got mixed reviews at best you know maybe compared to pavement pixies things like that and then series of sneaks was one of those tragic albums that just really you know got they got picked up and dropped right away you know they i think their a r guy was fired from electra um you know it sort of made a lot of promises to them and and you know kicked them to the curb and electra kicked them to the curb i believe the story goes a week later so my intro to Spoon was kind of in that in-between period, so after series of sneaks um, had come out, um, and, you know, I think you and I talk a little bit about something that some of our younger listeners and even Christian sometimes is, is unaware of, just the really sort of backlash against being good at your job at that point. Mm-hmm. and um,
0: Proficiency. And also, yeah, yeah, and
1: also, you know, being, you know, a major label, and, you know, there was sort of this big sellout kind of feeling
0: at that time. Yeah, it's funny. I when I think about it, I because I've been revisiting um you know Trouble Boys and the replacements uh in the past couple of weeks. Um you know, it was just the death knell to your coolness, to uh you know, to sign to a major yeah. label, to sell out, to care to to show effort. And the funny thing is is that you know, when I look back to the 80s, I mean X was on a major label. Um, yep. you know every all these you know bands that we thought were so cool were all on major labels i mean the smiths you know um yep, smiths, all the Zellers british Costello, bands. you know yeah
1: <laughs> no it, it's it's absolutely true and i mean even the pixies really you know four ad to Electra pretty quickly um it was probably the beginning then of that that sort of way but i mean you know jane's addiction was on warner brothers you know you just had a lot of a lot of bands to your point that that were major label um but then there was this huge wave of casualties and and you know, just to kind of paint Austin in the early '90s, uh, sorry, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, the the city was somewhat uh, undergroundly famous for movies like Slacker, Richard Linklater, who we've talked about on the pod. Um, you know, there was two bands at the time that were sort of like the bands that could have made it or were gonna make it, and that was Fastball, who actually had a huge single um, in the late the '90s. Way. Yeah, yep. which I kind of like still. Um, I don't know if you were ever a fan of that song, but I think it's pretty good. And, you know, and Spoon actually was like kind of the other band that was like sort of the band that didn't make it um, at the time. And and so these guys, you know,
0: you, chip. you came and visited. Sorry, go ahead. I said they had a chip on their shoulder a little bit.
1: Yeah, a chip on their shoulder. They tasted a little bit of success um, or thought they were going to taste success. And, you know. Austin is a really small city. It's it's certainly gotten much cooler, you know, uh, nationally and sort of globally and bigger, yeah, than when I was there in the late '90s. So there's only a couple of clubs that you'd hang around in, and, and, and you know, Britain, those guys were always around, and and you know, they played a bunch. And, and at the time, I didn't know, but you know. Series of Sneaks was heralded by the Austin Chronicle, which is the was the free rag, you know, for art and The village voice of, like of Texas. Yeah, basically, right, of Austin, yep. And, you know, that album was sort of lauded as this, this masterpiece by them. I mean, best album of the year. And, you know, you're talking Austin that always had kind of a, a bent for singer-songwriter types and, and Austin City Limits and things like that, especially then. Um, so there was this band that kind of had this kinksy, you know, poppy sort of jagged sound. Um and we'd go see them a lot in places like Hole in the Wall and, and you know uh Stubbs inside, you know, and, and I was never blown away, you know. And, and so it was kind of this in-between right before Electra and as the story goes, what became Girls Can Tell and a EP called Soft Effects, where the band really kind of I wouldn't say like when you go back and listen to telephono, and I don't know if you have recently or a series of sneaks. That the sound is, you know, it's one of those weird things where in hindsight, the sound is there, you know, you can Mm -hmm. see this band sort of creating something and, and there's an underlying, um, really strong, you know, core of, of what they're going to sound like even in those two albums,
0: but they're still trying to imitate, you know, some of their idols, I think more than they, you know, achieving their own sound at that point.
1: And I think you definitely get the quiet loud and you get sort of the but there's songs like Metal Detector on series of sneaks and things like that that I, I really love and, and I think kind of foreshadow what was to come. But you know, for me, I was working in, in film stuff at the time and music videos and things like that. And I had a there's a sound guy, and I forgive me, Tad, but I, I forgot his last name to look it up sometime. But um he was really good friends with Britt and they were shopping around, the girls can tell. Um demos and you know really like kind of struggling i mean this was like south by southwest not getting any hits and he, he and i would talk music you know we love pavement and guided by voices and all the sort of stalwarts of the day and he was like man you have to hear this new spoon album I'm like i said i don't like them that much you know it's you know <laughs> it was a band that i saw live more than i listened to their records and so which could really affect you back then and there were bands that had records in the Austin scene, you know, that I never listened to, but their live show was great, bands like Grand Champion and, you know, Crackpipes and things like that so were dandy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um and he gave me, you know, what I think was actually pre-release, you know, kind of a copy of it and on a cassette tape recorded cassette tape. And and I just fell in love with Girls Can Tell. I mean it was there was something really different about that record that um and I think I certainly called you around that time I mm-hmm. gave you a copy. Um, and the band had kind of removed something. It was this sparseness. I mean, the band's named after a Can song, you know, so you get kind of a, I think they've always had a broad influence of, of kind of art and pop yes. and, you know, psychedelic music, but, um, it's like the kind of of signing you know? them. Yeah. And, and off we go. I mean, what was your kind of take of Early Spoon and, and that era in general?
0: Well, it's funny cause you gave me the thing and you, you were sort of, you know, uh, proselytizing. I was a sheepish,
1: probably right? Or was I totally into it? I can't remember.
0: No, you were you were into it, but you were like, I don't know if you'll like it. You know, that was right, kind of right. you or know, it wasn't yeah. like a, you're gonna you're gonna kill you know, you're gonna die for this. Um, and I remember um, you know I remember really liking one song and not liking the, the rest of it that much and then revisiting it like six months later at your urging and then being like holy shit you know and then it became an essential um you know part of my collection like it was something i played all the time but there was definitely like a first listen where i was kind of blase and then um then it it got its hooks in me um you know like me and the bean and um you know that kind of stuff uh i think um my first everything
1: hits at once yeah everything
0: hits at once and and i was like these guys have like a I remember thinking, like, they had, a, a like, a confidence in their sound that reminded me... Their sound doesn't remind me of this, but their sort of uh, dedication to their sound reminded me of, like, the first Cars record. Like, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is yeah. definitive, you know?
1: Yeah, no, there's something there, and I think the salt effects EP, which I actually kind of got my hands on later, is similar like that. Like, they had... And I, I can say like, and you know, this is coming from memory of of my early foggy twenties. So, <laughs> you know, definitely some rewritten history here, probably in my mind. But I remember them being kind of arrogant, you know, yeah. like, and wondering why the fuck they were so arrogant, you know, early on, and and it kind of being annoying, you know, like mm-hmm. these guys kind of think they're great, you know, and they they're not even like my favorite band in town right now, but. Girls Can Tell changed that for me too. Like, and it was a grower. I think at the time we were working on a, a film out in the middle of nowhere in, in Texas. And so I had a lot of car time going back and forth mm-hmm. to Austin on the weekends and stuff. And I just had that cassette that, you know, Todd had given me and, and it was like, oh man, this is a grower. At the same time too, and this is something that I think, um, you know, it's hard to think of at the time, but because they are so big now, other bands loved Series of Sneaks too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a, a musician fave. And so bands well, it's like really well.
0: It, it's really well Sorry, produced I think is is often yeah. the the sort of uh, you know hallmark of those albums that get passed around it's like the production value is really significant.
1: And Jim Eno I think is a big part of that. I mean I think he's Absolutely. He, I mean Brian, Brit has such a you know kind of cool songwriting style and guitar style and stuff but you know, he sort of flourishes while, you know, kind of drives that that music. But, um, and that's another thing about the band too. I think bass and drum wise, and really drums, which is, you know, is what he plays in the band, you know, there's always kind of a driving kind of core that that is sort of layered on top of and makes it really easy for Brit to do. Yeah. But,
0: so, but it's just the empty get, spaces. It's the quiet, it's the, it's not even a loud, quiet, loud dynamic. It's a, there's an absence, um,
1: you know, a sort of vacuum
0: that's created, um, with their, yeah, it's like a really good edited, yeah,
1: you know, you're a writer, it's kind of like the less is more approach,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: Um, and like cutting out unnecessary words and unnecessary fills, but around the same time too, you know, and they go on a a major run here and, and I'll kind of name check these albums in two seconds here, but. You know, just something that I remember was other bands took them on tour all the time at this time. So they were kind of the Austin band that Guided by Voices had opening up that um, either it might have been Pavement on their last tour or Malcolmiss's first solo tour. You know, other sort of high profile acts. I mean, I think one of the last times I saw them in Austin was when this album had just come out and they were the first band on a bill that was... um, Spoon, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, but which was getting the most press out of Mm -hmm. all three of these bands, and then GBV, you know, was the headliner. And, you know, I think uh, famously sort of Robert Pollard, you know, talked about Spoon as one of his favorite bands. Like, he loved this band. Um, And they go on to, you know, Merge, who who we all know is is kind of the, you know... Artist-friendly. Indie Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And also just took a chance on different stuff. And they go, you know, Girls Can Tell... Um, Kill the Moonlight, Gimme Fiction and Ga Ga and Transference, you know, sort of all consecutively with right after Girls Can Tell, which got a lot of critical acclaim and a slow burn. That was a very mm-hmm. slow growing album and it might have been because I had it so early, but Kill the Moonlight all of a sudden takes them to the next level right away. Yeah,
0: Kill the Moonlight was like custom made to, to be licensed, you know what I mean? And, and absolutely. I think, they, I think they made a lot of money, um, you know, licensing their stuff to commercials and and uh you know i mean how um, can
1: you not hear small stakes on like an apple commercial or you know yeah exactly. or the way we get by on the oc at the time you know just popular things it was it was really wild actually but it was
0: also they're they're sort of indicative of how the industry was going which is you know um this is the advent of the ipod and and MP3s, and this is, you know, this is how you're going to make your money now. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I I remember... Music video
1: had turned into reality TV, MTV had kind of turned into, you know, goofiness. And it was also shows. I mean, people forget how influential the OC was, Mm -hmm. you know, and and people, you know, Death Cab for Cutie, Modest Mouse, uh, Spoon, were all really... um, Launched. Yeah, and those shows would have soundtracks, and they would have, you know, kind of seasonal soundtracks.
0: Yeah, no, I, I remember, God, I, I remember seeing an interview with the Black Keys and, uh, you know, them telling this famous story about 10 a.m. automatic being licensed for a commercial in, in England or something and, and being offered like a quarter of a million dollars and being broke and yeah. being like, you know, no, we're going to stick to our, you know, we're going to have this, <laughs> you know, sort of moral high ground and then going like, you know, talking to their parents and being like, you just turned down a quarter of a million dollars. What the f- Are you fucking idiots? You know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, and you know, and they're like, and then we licensed it. And guess what? We didn't, we didn't spontaneously combust. We didn't go to hell. You know?
1: Yeah, no. And then I think, um, I don't know, you know, I'd left Austin probably actually before Kill the Moonlight came out. So, yep. And so like, I don't know what the backlash was like, if there was any, but but Spoon certainly took advantage of that, I think, in a smart way. But yeah. that said, these albums all kind of, it was, you know, and I think there's a couple bands like this in, in my day, and it, you know, where I just am like, oh man, this is like as good or better, or this is, you know, another step. And, and I think, you know, for me, I, I know I talk about Wilco a lot, but like, you know, the AM to being, being there was such a giant leap. Quantum me. And then leap. and Being yeah. there. Yeah. to summer teeth was like, Oh cool. They can do more. And you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, Yankee hotel was like, Oh my God, like, wow. And so I think in the same way spoon, but in a different sort of, uh, musical style, like where they were removing more, you felt like girls can tell was, you know, series of sneaks was a template for girls can tell. And I, you know, my big complaint with series of sneaks is just so much packed into one record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's sort of a major label debut that I'm sure they were pretty proud of at the time that kind of got pulled out from under them. But, like, it's, it's a very, like, just... There's a lot of songs on that record. And mm-hmm. Girls Can Tell was the sort of fleshing those songs out, making them longer, but also less is more kind of approach. And Kill the Moonlight took that to the next level. I mean, where, you know, I mentioned Small Stakes a minute ago, and you really have, like, two notes being banged out on an organ and, like, a great, you know, kind of lyrical take. And, and at the, I know, too, for both you and I, we had sort of re-entered the world of bands like the Kinks and, and you know, um, a lot of kind of classic English pop and things like that 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 really, I feel like Spoon kind of hit on it in a weird way, you know. Definitely. But
0: well, it's funny, we were watching, I, you know, before I even knew we were doing this podcast, I wound up watching a bunch of videos on YouTube yesterday, um, you know, on the TV. And uh, Polly, wa- my wife walked in and, and was like, are they British? I mean, we've been listening to for 25 <laughs> years, but, and she doesn't really track this stuff like I do, but she's like, are they, they're British. And I was like, right. "Nope, <laughs> they definitely yeah. want to be British, but they're not.
1: <laughs> Which was also kind of weird in Texas at the time, you know, it was sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, when you live in Boston, like, you know, you and I have for, you know, times in our lives or even Northeast in general, it's not weird to love Britpop, you know, there's sort of like mm-hmm. a connection there. Um, in Austin at the time, it was a little weird to like Britpon, you know what I mean? It just wasn't <laughs> as like, um, you know, th- things lean more towards like a bluesy sort of you know, run. Yeah. Garage or Americana approach for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, kill the moonlight to give me fiction to Gaga Ga Ga, to transference, you know, really kind of established this band and, and they started to chart. I mean, they these band these albums hit like the mid forties on, on billboard, um, you know, Gaga, Ga Ga, I think, was probably the biggest, you know, mm-hmm. each one got bigger. Um, that was that inescapable.
0: Got... I mean, you started hearing the underdog, the sort of mariachi riff and the yeah. underdog, like going to commercial and NBA games and football games and stuff. It was uh, it was pretty wild.
1: Yeah. John Brown producing that song. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, I think, and I think you agree with this, Um, this is a band that I just kind of give a pass to, right? Like, they're good. Like, I don't... Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about Spoon, you know, jumping the shark or, like, just not being what I want to hear. But I don't always jump into the album the first week it comes out. And, you know, it's something like... um, Like, Black Like Me on Ga Ga Ga, right? You know, like, a song that I probably heard later and was like, oh, man, that song is so cool. (laughs) Well, that's... I think they're one
0: of those bands that we talk about where, like... I've had a different favorite song on every album, you know, at one point or another. Every song on, um, you know, I'd say three quarters of the songs have been my favorite at one point or another. Um, Agreed. And they're all growers. It's always a it's always a, a gradual. And those are the best records. I mean, I also think, you know, there's something to be said, um, you know, and, and you know better than I because you were there. But, you know, the first time I saw them was on the Girls Can Tell tour. I went by myself I think it was the last show I ever went to by myself because I couldn't couldn't uh, convince anybody else that they were good. Um, <laughs> and I think they were a three piece when I saw them the first time.
1: Yeah, they were. I mean most of the, the I mean all the early shows I saw were three piece. Um, and it was, you know, a little bit of like that's that kind of style of, of pulling things out didn't work that well live.
0: Yeah um, not a, at not the time. A, it does now.
1: It does great now because you have the but they're a five have piece kind of Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, I, and I was going to kind of go into that because the next section, if, if you know, the merge years really kind of established the band. And and I think the last time I saw them was either, you know, Gaga Ga Ga or Gimme Fiction. I can't remember. Probably a pitchfork, to be honest. And, you know, I had gone and dragged people to their shows. Um, I remember the Abbey in Chicago, seeing them on the Kill the Moonlight tour and just always leaving a little like, you know, underwhelmed. Yeah, underwhelmed, and you know, it wasn't like they were bad, and it wasn't like they were. They were you know, stiff. They're proficient, but it was yeah, I felt so too, and and um, you know, that last show we were had you know backstage stuff at, at Pitchfork for, for a number of years, which was great, and and they were again like super solid, really good. I, I love you know, we'll talk about Gimme Fiction and, and the album soon, but like in more you know our phase, but um, you know, it just kind of and I sort of told myself like i don't know that i need to see spoon again you know which is a <laughs> weird thing for me because I'm, I'm a huge live music fan as are you um and that brings us to the next chapter and i think something like you know either some sort of uh what am i going to say here some uh late era you know girl or uh some girls stones uh you know soul kind of k- kicked in here with the mm-hmm. next couple albums um they left merge um and I think we're on anti for They Want My Soul and then uh Back to Matador, their first uh where Telefono came out for Hot Thoughts. And I think these two albums had a groove to them and sort of a confidence that, that you kind of talked about as we were previewing the new album on, on last episode. So I'm gonna let you kind of take these two if that's cool. Yeah,
0: that was well that was the thing, is like I think they kind of flirted with this, you know, sort of Princian kind of uh You know, groove with. I turned my camera on, and it was like it sounded anomalous, and it was. I was like, "Oh, Spoon's doing funk. This is like you know, this is like Germans doing stand-up comedy. You know, it's (laughs) like, uh, but it somehow like the shoe fit, and it was like they, they, there was new chapter and hot thoughts. I mean, both you and I were laughing because it's such a goofy title. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we thought maybe, Oh, maybe it's a, you know, there's a double on top. Nope. no nope, It's just, you know, um, you know, it's, it's the sexy, you know, uh, album. And it was like, you know, when it came out, I was like, this is, it's, it's got a groove. And it's like, again, they're, they're, you know, they always, as they say in comedy, stick to the, you know, commit to the bit. And, uh, they did, you know, it was like, they got, Cooler, they got sexier, they got you know more sort of libidinous as they got older, and it somehow again it shouldn't work, but it did.
1: Yeah, I think like early on, and I you know like I said, I, I think there was always kind of like a I mean I think Brit and Jim rightfully so, and Jim's a little more kind of in the background, obviously, but like. I think Britt kind of always knew he was good, right? There was an like arrogance and kind of cockiness, and for a reason, he was good. And, and I don't mean to – I don't know Britt Daniel personally. I've been around him and, and have friends who were friendly with him and actually met, met his mom once. But, um, but, you know, it was like there was just kind of an aura around him a little bit, but a little bit of a self-conscious one, I think, you know, mm-hmm. too. And, and, um, and I think he lost that, you know. I think it yeah, was it's like, like – someone who figures
0: they, out they can dance when they're 40, you
1: know yeah exactly right they have groove and uh, did you see them in this period with like that show with Phoenix and stuff or was that Christian you yes. saw them and they kind of got blown away okay
0: no I, I saw them the The first show I saw them when they were like uh, when I was like oh they're, they got better live was the show where uh, it was Phoenix um, it was a one off show it was a Phoenix uh, Spoon and I think it was Passion Pit's like first or second live show um, wow. and shockingly, they were great. Um, but I was backstage getting drunk with the guys in Phoenix. Um, and we went out front and watched Spoon and I was like, well, wow, these guys got a lot better, you know?
1: Yeah. I remember you like ringing that bell.
0: Yeah. And then as I've seen them subsequently, they've gotten even better. It's like, they, they it's like they shook off the self-consciousness and now they just perform.
1: Yep. I agree. And I think the five piece really helps. And I think these are, again, like just two really good albums. Like I I think you're, you're more partial to Hot Thoughts and I'm more partial to They Want My Soul, but like, not because I think one is that much better than the other. No, it's just, it's just the one I listen to more, you know, or something. Exactly.
0: (laughs) That's a hundred percent true. I think I listened to it a bunch because I had to, I think I was reviewing it for somebody. Um, and, uh, I just happened to, and then it kind of caught me, and Whisper and I'll Listen to Hear It, particularly uh, the second track on the album, just became, like, one of those songs that I played on repeat and um, just fell in love with it, you know? And then I got to thinking, like, ah oh, Hot Thoughts, despite, you know, the sort of initial reluctance because it was, kind of sounded embarrassing. Um, it's a great song.
1: Yeah, it is, you know, and... <laughs> And it's um I think a great record um you know and and that brings us kind of to the current so I mean, you know I think one of the sneakiest best bands going and and I think you know kind of have put their mark in um, not only indie rock but but certainly kind of rock and roll pop culture and, and yeah yeah absolutely and and I think a band like you said if you don't aren't you know kind of Maybe you have "Kill the Moonlight" or maybe you grabbed "Hot Thoughts" or something, or "Gaga" ga ga, or you know you kind of hit their a, a period of theirs. Um, it's a band that even people that don't know probably who Spoon is will recognize the songs based on mm-hmm. kind of the commercialness and catchiness of those riffs and 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 um, you know snippets that they've been in commercials and and you know sporting events things like that. And it kind of brings us to Lucifer on the Sofa, which has two singles out coming out February 11th and uh, I know we're both excited about it. We talked about it a little bit. Yeah, heard i heard um, two,
0: two advanced singles and I like both, but they're, they're another band too where like their songs always make more sense in the context of the album sequence.
1: Exactly, yeah. I was going to say the same thing and I think, um, you know, a band, like I said, that I, I don't think I've never not liked what's been put out and initially, but has always grown on me. Um, I'm kind of curious, I think, These both sound, like, really produced, um, and that's not a bad thing. I don't mean that in any sort of knock. But I'm kind of curious if, like, I was thinking, and maybe I'm wrong here, but, you know, I feel like Def Cab for Cutie had a a huge hit. And maybe people just don't have these anymore, so I could be totally off. I feel like Modest Mouse had a huge hit. I feel like a lot of bands that Spoon is really on par with, probably popularity-wise and and longevity-wise, and kind of came from the same roots of, you know, just... As much as they're sort of omnipresent, I don't feel like spoon. You could pick a spoon hit. Am I wrong or am
0: I? Um, you know, I think the closest thing would be the underdog, um, right? Or cherry bomb.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: At the same time, I don't think you know the average person would know the name of that song. Where the average person would know the name of float on.
1: Right. Yeah, that's true. I'm just curious to see where this album goes. I know, you know, I, I don't know why, but I kind of think of Arctic Monkeys. Trajectory mm-hmm. to some degree, where like all of those bands I name checked, and you could probably lump the Arctic Monkeys into the, the latter half of those bands, um, all kind of hit like a plateau of fame, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's a good place to be, I think, if you're a working musician. <laughs> Arctic Monkeys, I think, took that, that to the next level, popularity wise. Yeah. Um, and I'm just Arctic curious Monkeys are experience... the
0: classic. Arctic Monkeys are that classic band where you drive, where you're driving down ninety three, and you look up at the marquee outside the Boston Garden, and you go. Arctic monkeys are playing in the garden.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I wonder if this, you know, if Spoon is is kind of geared for that. I'm just curious, you know. Yeah, I think I think, sort the, of feel I think like they
0: the, could be. The other comp, you know, in that in you know, in that stratosphere is is Black Keys, kind of
1: right. Yeah, where you're like, Definitely. oh, Black
0: Black Keys. You know, it doesn't. It, it makes sense. Black Keys are making are playing the garden, given how many people I know like them. But it's like, wow, that didn't seem like i I didn't see that coming,
1: no, there's like the crossover where it's like it becomes a band that like um people who just are probably way more casual listeners than us mm-hmm. it's like they're rock band, you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> they yeah, they're sort of like not. the black
0: crows, you know
1: right exactly,
0: or you know i don't I don't even know I probably pull a couple more out of my ass, but i don't I won't um you know it's like oh it's it, it's basically if you are. Like you, like you said, if you are a casual listener, if, if music happens to you rather than you pursuing it, you're still going to have that record.
1: Yeah, totally. And you're still up for that show, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, well, let's, uh, we kind of did a fun little, like, and not that it makes much sense because we love all these albums, but a little ranky. But let's take a quick break. And uh, I'm going to go old school. I'll let you throw the last spoon track on. But um, I'm going to go with the song off series of Sneaks, which has always really kind of been one of my favorite spoon songs, despite it being on, on kind of their early, early release, but a Metal Detector from um, Series of Sneaks. It's a lie no more. All
0: through right welcome back to the brother 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 podcast uh, we are talking spoon today a band named for a song by the the German the classic German or kraut rock band can um, sound more like noi but um, we we were talking about ranking uh, all the spoon records and and um, you know they're, they're, there's you know it, the, the, I think they range from an eight out of ten to a 10 out of 10 in my book and yours as well so it's kind of like you know everything it's one of those ones where it could be like, you know, a number one and then a 2A, 2B, 2C, 2D.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I feel like, too, whichever one is on could be could be my number one that we talked about, it, whichever one I'm listening to more. Um, you know, whichever one I have on vinyl versus what I'm mm-hmm. streaming. You know, so it's... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we can, you know... I think they are rankable, but they're all great. And so uh, if anyone hasn't really dove in to Spoon's, like, al- as an album band... Um, you should because everything's really good, and and you know I think I'm gonna just kind of we'll start at the bottom here if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's easy to start at the bottom. The bottom because, three. Yeah, we the, both have the same, same bottom three, and that's when and
0: and, and and again, I like I still listen to all those. uh But yeah, Telefono, and I would say
1: like, Telefono is your Pablo Honey, except for like you know another album that you go back and listen to, and and. You're like, oh, this band really had something going, and I mm-hmm. wish I was maybe a little more in tune back in 97 than I was at that point, you know, point, because yeah. it, it's pretty good, you know. But um, yeah,
0: we our bottom three being Telefono, Transference, which is not an old album, and a uh, series no. of sneaks. Tele- Transference, I think, kind of a felt like a, a, almost like a live in studio kind of a, you know.
1: Yeah, with like two great singles, I just find that album just a little harder to go all the way through. Yep. And but I think that's... Series of Sneaks, you can go all the way through. It's just a little bit of a different sound. It's, you mm-hmm. know, kind of an earlier, tighter, kind of more pop punky sound.
0: And then my next one is your actual number two. Um, this is, yeah. a, which is They Want My Soul
1: yeah and so you know what I'm curious I love this record and, and um, you know we can talk about it here though like why why is it lower and you is it just a matter of like not listening hundred, to it as much or
0: hundred percent you took it yeah you just you just <laughs> took the words out of my mouth uh, it is you know I just never uh, for lack of a better term, I never christened it. you know what I mean yeah it's like um, and now I hear it and I like it a lot. And I actually, another, I forgot, uh, you know, Inside Out's another one of those songs that is was really everywhere, everywhere. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: still is, actually. I hear it all the time. It's like the yeah. restaurant song or the cafe song. Um and, and my spot there was one you have a little higher. Actually, you have been as third was Kill the Moonlight. And, you know, same kind of thing for me. You know what it is with Kill the Moonlight? I just overplayed the shit out of that album. Same. Like... I listen to it so much that I it's like the one that I actually don't put on anymore because I just I know every minute of it, you know, so well. mm-hmm. And Soft Effects EP, which, you know, I just kind of threw in as a side one, and you have it there too, but Soft Effects was kind of, again, just like them morphing and has a great song, Chips Ahoy, which I think was never on an album and is one of my favorite Spoon kind of off tracks. So, uh, I'd, I'd
0: say Kill the Moonlight for me. I have it ranked more highly than, or higher than you do, uh, largely because it was the album where I began to think that this is one of my favorite bands. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, oh, this is just a good record. This is an actual, this is a career that I'm going to follow.
1: Yep. And I think it was one of those times where I felt sort of pride in having like a band that discovered. I liked. And yeah, it was discovered and was kind of around. And it was like, I knew it you know same kind mm-hmm. of thing. like girls no can tell it wasn't a one-off this is really good you know
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah I, I'm with you I have if I you know small stakes and the way we get by it's like I can I they're they're you know they're kind of burned really? out my mind but yeah I heard them too much someone somewhere um, you know there's some deeper tracks on that that um, you know that I haven't played the death kind of like that i still love that are kind yeah. of fun
1: and good and different um we both have hot thoughts as number five so we're kind of sympathetic actually our next two are exactly the same too so um girls can tell and hot thoughts hot thoughts being five and girls can tell four um you're a huge hot thoughts fan i know um i that's kind of my don't tell or they want my soul sorry in terms of like, I just haven't listened to it as much as they want my soul. Mm-hmm. It's like we flipped on that. And so I really like it. And it's kind of fun because it's one I rediscover sometimes. Because it's probably my least listened to and not because it's not awesome. It's just because I kind of, you know, like maybe it was just a busy time in my life or something. I just didn't hear it as much. Yeah,
0: and it's... Go ahead. No, I just think it's um, it's one. And again, I think it was circumstantial. I think I had to review it or something. And, um, yeah, yeah you know, I think I wound up listening to it, you know, back to front a lot, um, in the course of a week and then it just became a habit.
1: Well, and I think too, it came out at a time where I was just like, you know, I almost took them for granted, you know, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh man, like, you know, from Gaga, to don't, you know, even transference has some great singles on it to like, you know, don't tell a soul. I was like, oh man, these guys are so consistently good. I will get to this, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like. And I know it's going to be good. And, and, um, you know, again, like songs that, you know, I hear and I'm just like, Oh, wow. Like that song is, is just as good as anything they've ever put out. Um, mm-hmm. girls can tell for me, you know, was just sort of an entry point where I was like, and I told the story early on where you know, it was handed to me early on. I like you kind of like, you know, wasn't sure about some songs on it. Like, but you know, there was something that just kind of crept in there and, and, um, you know really probably the the opening track like everything hits at once and then you know it, it's one of those ones that's warm dear to me too i mean there's like little references to you know sound opinions or sorry, sound opinions sound effect like god i can't think record exchange yeah i'm totally messing up but at the corner of Sound Exchange is a lyric mm-hmm. that... Uh, I know that corner very well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's just like an album that I, I never really have gotten sick of. I don't think I weirdly have ever really overplayed either. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a little moodier than some of their other stuff. But um, it, it's a great record. Uh, I think we both kind of have it in the in the same spot there
0: for that reason. But anything to add on Girls Can Tell? No. No, I just... Uh, I remember... You know the next one, which is my number two, your number three, is Gaga Gaga Gaga, which I remember thinking, um, and I wasn't alone in thinking this. Like, are you seriously gonna name a fucking record Gaga Gaga Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, not unnerved by it, but like wondering, like, because I do think they were, um, you know, sort of stumbling towards wide wider acclaim and and more popularity and. Certainly this album you know had ready-made hits um, and uh, I was like, wow, you'd way to shoot yourself in the foot by giving it the stupidest <laughs> title I've ever heard. Um, but you know, I've forgot since forgotten um, the sort of animus I had towards uh, you know towards their uh, <laughs> yeah' an
1: it's an album I don't like writing or saying to be honest um, but. You know, At the, the same time, yeah, I mean, it was, that. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, just listening to Cherry Bomb, I mean, it's, it's a Phil Spector-esque, like, I think they kind of shifted a little bit again to that, taking song, you know, where you had um, earlier tracks, like, Turn My Camera On, and, and but bringing some soul to the music again, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, yeah, all interchangeable, you know, as I'm talking about this album, I'm like, oh, that could be my number one any day, and it's... Um, yeah, I think it was the album, again, where I just was like, see, these guys are awesome. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, um, and I don't know who I was telling that to, because I think everybody else felt the same way. But um, for some reason, like, it was, I don't know, they have a bit, and it's funny because the underdog is on this. I feel like Spoon weirdly had a little bit of an underdog feel to them, you know, <laughs> where it was like, no, these guys are better than you think they are. Like, they're really good.
0: Yeah, I've never I've never had that song explained to me, but it always occurred to me that that um you know, I've always uh in my mind thought that album was about the record industry. Um and Yeah, very you know, well could
1: b- be. And they had kind yeah. of a shit deal. They actually have an E P where they lash out at the guy from Electra that's kind of forgotten too.
0: Mm-hmm. It just sounds like, you know, you have no fear of the underdog, that's why you will not survive. It's like you don't believe that you can be overtaken by Yeah a bigger force which is exactly what happened in the record industry so it, whether or not that's what it's intended to be um, that's the way I took it I'm, I I can live with my I can live with my explanation
1: yeah and I think too just you know a record that like we were talking about earlier just a band that can continue to kind of evolve and, and add or take out and you know make it really work and, and you know I think the ga, ga 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 as it's been explained was you know again kind of their they really have a bit of like a fondness for krautrock, crowd rock. And it was sort of that like repetitive, um, you know, kind of beat and and notes that, that is in a lot of that can stuff and, and some of those bands. And so, um, you know, I think that was the intent, but that this album ends up being kind of like a really accessible pop record, you know, um, <laughs> with some weird flourishes. And, and then I think it's kind of interesting. They want my soul is, is my second, but, um, and you know, you had that further down, we talked about that album based on your ranking there. But I think it's kind of interesting. The one for both of us, and I was surprised actually, because I was thinking maybe "Gaga, Gaga" or "Hot Thoughts" would be yours. Um, is "Give Me Fiction," and I think weirdly, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like this record's somewhat um, undervalued. But maybe I'm totally off. I I, I love this record, and I think uh, "I Summon You," um, "Turn My Camera On," "Sister Jack." It's just an album that I really can pop on anytime. Um, You'll be my target I think is the the opening track it, it kind of is a great encapsulation of all of the stuff they do mm-hmm. and I think um also just a very song forward album you know there's a it's a it's a pretty you know sometimes they kind of go off into some more experimental stuff that is is always turns out to be pretty good and interesting in context of the album but this this to me was kind of a straightforward uh, you know song driven record mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think um. You know, before Spotify told you at the end of the year what your favorite was, um, you used to be able to, if you tried a little harder, you used to be able to see what your most played songs were on your iPod. And by the time I had, uh, I sadly uh, divorced myself from my iPod, um, which was still my favorite electronic device I've ever owned, um, the, oh, yeah. the song I had listened to the most in my, in my history was Sister Jack. Yeah. It's just it's such a, a banger song. of a British inv- yeah. just a British invasion song. I mean, you know, again going back to Polly thinking they were British, um if if any song ever made them sound British, it was that.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's just like, you know, shuffling Chelsea boots and like um you know, great jangle guitar and, and just such an a awesome, like, you know, kink early kink song. It's, it's you know, via the spoon filter. Um, yeah, and it also kind of pops. That, that album has a great way of, like, going from sort of maybe a little more, like, reserved, melancholiness, you know, Monsieur Valentine or, or some of those songs, into Sister Jack, which is sort of, like, slaps you in the face again as, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a party hit. song or... or yeah, I've turned my camera on, which is like you know you said sort of brings in Prince all of a sudden, and you're like whoa, this is cool. Yeah. Um, it's, so a, it's a very Looking at them
0: going, I didn't, I didn't know they had it in them.
1: Yeah, no, and, and that's and that's you know I think one thing that like a band that is very distinctly sounds like Spoon, you know, because um, I feel like they have a very distinct vocal style and and kind of uh, instrumentation style always do kind of throw something in there that um, you're surprised by, or at least I have been. So I'm um, excited for Lucifer on the sofa and excited uh to see them are sort of Yeah, go see them in a couple in a month or two
0: or Yeah, something like you know, that. I'm
1: getting yeah, very excited. And um and it's been a while for me. I like I said, I don't think I've seen them since the Gimme Fiction tour. So um, That's
0: wild, I didn't realize that. I have.
1: Yeah, you know, I just I don't know why, but I think I got stubborn about seeing Spoon. Um yeah. And so I'm I'm super stoked to do that. And yeah, this is our little uh, our homage to Spoon, and uh, we can take a break and and end this like we always do. Um, All right. What what song do you want to throw on when?
0: Oh, for this break.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, How about Whisper and I'll listen to hear it.
1: Such a long
0: podcast uh today we talked about spoon but now it's time to end this one the way we end every episode which is uh what are you listening to
1: (laughs) uh no one to punt it to but yeah i um so i kind of have gone in a time time machine back to uh the 80s which is is a a decade I, i tend to visit frequently but um i got a Magazine called Goldmine that a friend of mine who is a big uh, music dork like us um, he had just an extra you know subscription he's like you might like it so I just put your name in and, and I got it and on the cover was Judas Priest and, and it was about sort of the new wave of British metal yeah and uh, in reading that I, I kind of did a little um, jump back into like British steel and even some early Iron Maiden and stuff like that and and those are really good rock records you know like yeah um, I just like not anything that I kind of grew up listening to frequently, but it was, it was always sort of stuff I knew, you know, through kind of either jokiness or, um, you know, f- friends who were into more metal than I was, but yeah, like it's, it's a really British Steel's a great record and, uh, mm-hmm. I get it, you know, it's, it's as good as up there with ACDC and all those, um, albums that I, I do love so much. And the other one was, I randomly was like, you know, you know, how sometimes you have a playlist and it, it ends and then Spotify magically starts playing songs that are are kind of algorithm to the playlist but um, Soul to Soul Keep On Moving came on and and, uh, you know had a flashback that I was texting about last night to you know a New Jersey you know middle school party that I'd gone to and I somehow was like given a little gift bag and the cassette single like they bought a bunch of cassette singles of hits of the The, day and it was Soul to Soul and uh, yeah And that's a six-minute, like, just club groove, you know? And it's uh, there's something about that, like, keep on moving, don't stop, that is so good.
0: Yeah, it's very soothing.
1: Yeah, it's it's wicked soothing. It's it's super comforting. I don't really give a shit if people don't like it or don't get it, because I just do, and I love it. Um, And, you know, I, I can listen to it nonstop. So... That said, watching, um, and probably stopping my viewing of Ozark, I, uh, I think we kind of had a text chain going as the pod and, and just felt like that show has run its course. Thank you for two good seasons and one, you know, sort of on repeat season that I'm just not enjoying as much, but, um, you know, well acted, good, you know, greatly shot, all those things, but just fun story, but it's just sort of run its course. So I, I'm, I'm pulling the shoot and jumping out of that topic and then, um, I've only watched one episode still, but I plan on watching the the second one this week. And I just was really intrigued by someone somewhere. um, I think you've watched more of it than, than I have, or I think there's only two out on HBO story by the uh, Duplass brothers did the the production and and directed, I believe. And um, just kind of a really endearing, sweet slice of life story. I won't go into too much detail, but about a a gal back in her hometown in in Kansas and, and, um, you know, kind of finding her her people in a, a gay choir, and, and uh, I just really liked the first episode quite a bit. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to watch more of that. No, How it's great. You, it it
0: remains sweet. I love it. It's Bridget Everett, um, and um, you know, one of the you know, as I as I want to do, I uh, did a little deep dive on that and uh, discovered that both her father and her brother were the mayors. Uh, successively of uh, Manhattan, Kansas, where she's from, oh, which nice. is where K State is. Um, so you know, I mean, it, it, she comes by it honestly. She knows where she of what she speaks, and I, I love that show. I think it's fantastic. Um, Great! I'm
1: excited to see the next one. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, on to it. So thank you.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know. Last week we bid uh, final farewell to Meatloaf, um, who died from COVID. And, uh, you know, we'll always have the majesty of, uh, the one great album that is, you know, as, uh, Jim DeRogatis says, um, you know, better than anything Bruce Springsteen ever did. Uh, you know, I think that's a, that's a, um, you know, a take that, that is absolutely designed to provoke, but I still, I love, I have to say, I like, uh, Bad Out of Hell more than anything. Um. You know, of that ilk, and uh it's it's a, it was sad to see Meatloaf go. I, I think I've told, it's a hard I've told, phenomenon
1: to explain. You know, it's like uh, absolutely I grew up on kind of the second resurgence of him as well in that album, and you know, again speaking of middle school, there wasn't a middle school dance where you know uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light wasn't played for twenty minutes, but <laughs> which
0: is which is really you know inappropriate. Um <laughs> Totally. But uh, I do have to say that, um, you know, I, I you know, did a spin back through Bad Out of Hell. It's a great record. And then I, I will tell, you know, I've told you this anecdote before, but it, I will take his death as a, as a reason to retell the story, which is that um, I was on break from school, from high school, and my friend lived in New Canaan, Connecticut. We were at his house. We found out that Meat Loaf was listed in the phone book under last name Loaf, first name Meat We called uh, uh, Directory Services, which nobody will know what that is anymore. But we dialed four one one. We asked for his phone number. We got it. We called him. He answered the phone, and we asked him if he wanted if we could take him to lunch at the uh, Silver Star Diner in Norwalk. And he very graciously uh, sidestepped us, you know, and said, "Hey guys, it's you know." But he did say this. He said, "Hey guys, you know, thank you so much." um you know I'm I really appreciate that you're fans and um but I've got to pick my daughters up at school today and uh but I have to tell you I really appreciate the offer thank you so much and so very <laughs> gracious um I don't think he was doing that much at those in those days but it was it was kind of funny to have somebody actually answer the phone and and talk to you back, you know back then um, That's that said, I, I also, uh, will watch the girl from Oslo on Netflix and I would say it's a solid B, um, you know, kind of a homeland esque, um, you know, middle Eastern, you know, melodrama, but I liked it enough, uh, to recommend it to you. And, um, what song would you like to put on the 400 trillion, 10 best songs of all time?
1: 400 trillion one um so this is kind of funny so i, I end up uh you know I, I shuttle my kids to their school and, and um which is in the suburb where their mom lives and there's a um there's a crazy kind sort of like you know uh don't tread on me house in between um in this kind of shitty town that we pass through and and You know, just one of those ones with huge signs that the person obviously has been in some sort of rabbit hole. But the song that popped into my head and I played the other day on the way home back into Boston was um, New World by X, you know? And I Mm -hmm. just love that line, like, the bars ain't open this morning, must be voting for the president or something. Um, And, you know, I just, I think one of the best kind of political snark songs uh, written, And, and, you know, X is one of those bands that I know you're, in love with but you know people forget just how clever they were and and how the greatest
0: american uh, band you mean x
1: yeah the greatest american band ever but just you know how poignant they were on sort of social um commentary without being assholes so thank you x and i'm gonna go with new world
0: excellent uh i am going to go with a classic rock song that uh i think is you know if i am this is exactly what this playlist was built on if i am out drinking and the song comes on the bar I will make I will make an argument for it being the best rock song of all time um, <laughs> you know that's not to say I wouldn't do that about 40 other songs but every picture tells a story by Rod Stewart and faces um, oh, yeah, awesome. It's just a great song period
1: yeah oh, totally it's awesome So yeah no good good call and uh, yeah it's fun we'll uh, look forward to the spoon record and seeing them live soon and uh, talk soon
0: all right. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartorian, Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.